Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Starkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at starkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Well, amen. Before we begin, we're going to take communion at the end. And if you did not get a communion cup and you would like to participate in that, raise your hand so we'll be sure you have one. In the back there, okay. Now, we're going to complete our a mini series called Breakthrough 2021. And I've got a few questions. Has, uh, if you've participated in prayer and fasting over the last uh, uh, 21 days at some level, say, I have. All right. If you've experienced some level of breakthrough already, say, I have. Great. I have too. Um, if, if, so the question is, what do you do now? All right. Well, I, I I have experienced breakthrough in my life. Uh, the 21 days has been fantastic for me in my relationship with the Lord. So much so that today I'm breaking fast for a day. And then tomorrow I'm going to launch into another 21 days of fasting. Because there's still some things that I'm laboring over in, in prayer. Some, some things I'm, I'm just waiting for God to answer. And so maybe you'd like to do the, th- the same thing. So I would encourage you. Maybe you haven't experienced breakthrough yet. Well, don't stop praying, certainly, and consider doing another fast at some level to let God know that you're serious about setting something aside physically to experience something spiritual. Because I want you to know God is, in fact, the God of breakthroughs. And he wants to give you, let you experience breakthroughs in your life, and he's simply waiting on us to engage with all that he has in store for us. And so next week then... We launch into that new series called Move for Four Weeks. And this series that we're finishing helps us get ready for the next one. And so don't take lightly what God has been trying to speak to you over the last three or four weeks. And so today, I want you to know that maybe there's a reason why in your prayers, you just feel like the prayers never launch well. Uh, Maybe you feel like the prayers are never really connected Like, it just never really happens, or you just haven't experienced breakthrough. It's like, is God listening? And if he is, why am I not hearing from him? Why am I not experiencing what the preacher says I should experience by prayer and fasting? It may be because your prayers are being hindered. It may be that your prayers are actually being murdered before they ever get to the throne room. And so today we're going to talk about 15 prayer killers 15 prayer killers. Now, some of these are going to be easy. You say, oh, I checked that. I, I don't do that, so my prayers are going up. But I would venture to say that all of us have a part of our prayer protocol that needs adjustment, fine-tuning, or alignment with what it is and how it is that God says we should pray. So we're going to look at our prayer killers. Everybody say, prayer killers. I want you to know this. When we eliminate the prayer killers, we might start experiencing killer prayers. Amen? And, and so the first one is misalignment. I want you to see this is not from the preacher. There's going to be a boatload of scripture today. And I would encourage you in days to come, read over these to remind ourselves how important it is that we do this thing right and well. So misalignment. First John tells us about misalignment. First <clears throat> John 5.14 says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to To his will, he hears us. Anything. You know, you can look up in the Greek. You can go to Mount's interlinear uh, Greek uh, guideline on Gateway Bible. And you can look up 
that word right there. Uh, go back, if you will. You can go back. Oh, here it is. Anything. And it's funny. It means anything. That's what it means, anything. It's so funny how God does this stuff, all right? And, and, and you can ask anything according to his will. Now, look at the next one. He say, goes on, he says, if we know that he hears us, if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Now, here's the problem. There's a key word in those two verses, and the word is according to his will. It's alignment. Prayer is not aligning God with our will. Prayer is not moving God to match our desires. Prayer is a channel of communication where we align ourselves with the will of God. And so it's really important that we know what the will of God is. And we've talked about it over the last couple of weeks. The will of God is, and the ways of God are found in the word of God. That's it. And so we'll learn later how important it is that we get in the word of God to be aligned with the will of God in our life. Because often we pray without even seeking counsel from him through his word. And I would encourage you, when you pray, find scripture and be sure it's not out of context. Don't pick a word from every page to make your request known to God. That's, it doesn't say that anywhere. Find in text, in context, scripture that, that, that says what God, God's will is for your life and pray that to God. Number two, I want you to see that there's often a prayer killer called wrong motivation. Wrong motivation. Why are you praying it? Watch this. He tells us in scripture... In James 4, 3, he says, you ask and you do not receive because. You ask and you do not receive because. Here's the why. You ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Now, he goes on, he says in Proverbs 21, 2, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. The motivation is wrong. Our motivation is wrong when we pray. And what he's saying is, listen, we've talked about this. Our, the words of our prayer, what comes out from here, should align with our heart, the emotion of our heart. And when we pray, God reads the emotion of our heart. You see, we can, put, we can fool people around us, and we can say a lofty prayer from here up, and people think, man, they got their spot on. They got that figured out. Meanwhile, our heart can be all messed up. Our heart can, the motivation why we're praying for that is all wrong. And so if our motivation is wrong, God will not respond and I think often the reason people miss breakthrough, the reason people sense unanswered prayers is because the motivation of their heart is different from the motivation of the words, and God reads that. Number three, a prayer killer is a compromised heart. A compromised heart. Look what the Bible says in Psalms. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened did you get that? If I had cherished it in my heart, <clears throat> the Lord wouldn't even listen to me. He goes on, we read in John 9, 31, he says, We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Again, there's a contrast. There's a disparity. There's two different groups of people. A believer, he listens to your prayers. An, a sinner, he, sin separates. It breaks the channel of communication between you and God. And so often the reason we don't experience breakthrough is we've got unconfessed sin in our heart. And we harbor that, man. We carry it around. We, just, we begin to accept it. We begin to excuse it. We begin to think it's okay because it's not a big sin. Listen, all sin is big sin. And when we often, here's what we do. I'm a Christian, and I got this junk, and I'm just going to drag a little bit of it along. 
All right? A little bit of my old self, a little bit of my old baggage, I'm dragging it along. And when we do, it breaks the channel of communication with God, and it is a prayer killer. <clears throat> David said it like this. He said, he said, God, forgive my unknown sins. Because he knew there's sins of commission, things he did do that he shouldn't have done, and sins of omission, things he shouldn't have done that he did do, that he don't even know about. That they're just part of his life, and he's become so, uh, it's become so natural for, it, uh, for him that he doesn't even know there's sin to God. And so he says, forgive my unknown sin. David would later say in one of the Psalms, he says, remove the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. He's talking about in these vineyards, these great vineyards in the Middle East, they would build the, the big hedge around their vineyard to protect it from wild animals. And these little crafty foxes, man, they would find just the smallest hole and they would go in. They wouldn't eat the grapes. They would nibble around the base of the vine and destroy the whole vine. And so David said, that's what those little sins are, those things that we just own and call our own and say, well, it's just who I am. God's okay with it. God is not okay with it. God is not okay with any sin, okay? And, and so when we have, uh, when, when our heart's wrong, it, it can kill our prayers. Number six, stubbornness. Stubbornness. You know anybody that's stubborn? Say, I do. Yeah, right there, right there, the whole row of them right there, okay? We've all got some stubbornness in us, and stubbornness is a prayer killer. Look what it says in Proverbs 28. It says, if one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer, and let's just hang on right here, even his prayer, look at this word right here, this is a little creepy, is an abomination. If you are living your life and you have experienced either from reading it inspired as you read from the Holy Spirit, maybe the preacher, maybe a Christian friend who tries to encourage you in your journey, and you just turn a deaf ear to it, you just turn your nose up at it, you just walk away like you didn't hear it, your prayer before God, it's not unfriendly, it's not unkind, it's not unanswered, it is an abomination. It's pitiful before God. And yet, and yet often we hear truth and we never apply it. And it's a prayer killer. And so we go, we go on in Proverbs 20, uh, 1 Peter 3, 12, it says, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. I love this. And his ears are open to their prayer. Your translation may say his ears are tilted to the prayers of the righteous. Now he says, I, I want you to understand that righteous, our righteousness is not our own righteousness. We don't have any. We weren't born with it. The only reason we're considered righteous is because Jesus is righteous. Jesus, righteous means right standing. Jesus is right with God. And when we put ourselves in Jesus, we exchange our broken sinfulness for the rightness, the right standing, the righteousness of Jesus. He just pours it over us. And then we're righteous and then we can pray. And it says that his ears are tilted. It says he leans in and listens. You know how sometimes when you're talking to your spouse, okay, this goes both ways. Men and women both do this. Okay, and, and your wife starts talking to you, you know, and, and you're just, you know, you're, you're, on, you're checking your text messages or social media or watching something on TV, and you just kind of turn a deaf ear to them. You know you do that. Wives, your husband ever do that to you? They don't. Man, what? We've got an outstanding group of men of God. Okay, I just lied right there. Okay, now you are outstanding, but y'all lied. Maybe y'all was afraid. Okay, men, does your wife ever turn a deaf ear to you? Say amen. amen. Boy, y'all came in strong, especially you, because your wife's not sitting with you. 
Okay? Now, that's right. So here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. God doesn't do that. When we pray and we have a, our heart is right, our motivation is right, we've been listening to his word, we pray, he perks, he, he tilts his ears like, hey, that's mine. And he's listening intently to hear what it is we have to say. Now, a lot of people, they hear a lot of, work, a lot of messages. They claim to Christianity, but their life never changes. Their life never changes. So we've got to learn to remove the stubbornness from our life. Uh, number five is an uncompassionate heart. This is a hard one. An uncompassionate heart. Now, watch, look at this prayer killer. I, didn't, I, I never really paid attention to this. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Wow. Turn a deaf ear to the poor. Turn away from the poor. Now, okay, let's just make it real time. Has anybody ever go down Merchant's Road lately or through halls or downtown? And you'll see vet need food, vet need vet, or just a sign. Or maybe you pull up and you're the second car back and the light is red and he's in front of the car in front of you. And you don't like maybe cuss at him or, you know, throw hot coffee on him. But maybe you think... Please, Lord, let the light turn green so I don't have to make eye contact. Anybody ever thought that? Just confess it. Say, I have. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, let me just go ahead and tell you. Your church does much for the poor. We have an 11B ministry that Oscar looks after every week where we feed the homeless people. It's very difficult in this season. We have ministries like Bible Release Time where we help uh, people who or have some needs. We, have, we, we, we do things for needy people, provide Christmas and backpacks for people in need. We help poor people. And I want you to know something. The guy standing by the street with a sign, do not give that person money. Do not give them any money. If you want to carry a bag, a lunch bag, and hand them a sandwich and something to eat and something warm to drink or cold to drink, great. Do not give them money, all right? We have to learn to have compassionate hearts for the poor, not judging them. Oh, oh yeah, maybe we didn't pray, God, let this light turn green. I don't want to make eye contact. Maybe we thought some of these people just need to get a job. He's standing right, right here by the Burger King, and the sign on the door says, hiring. You ever thought that? I know. You know people that have, but you've never thought that, okay? That's what we're talking about. And so we need to have compassionate hearts. So let me tell you what happened to me. Sometimes you get a test. You're studying this. You're writing it out. You're praying about it, and then you get a test. My test was Thursday. I was sitting at Weigel's. It was about cold. It was about, well, it was about cold is what it was. And so I got the gas nozzle in there, and I jumped in my truck where the heater was at. I had the door cracked, you know, waiting for it to click. And I hear a conversation at the pump next door. This guy says, hey, man, any way you can help a guy out? I'm trying to get to Maryville. I don't know why Maryville seems to be the place that everybody who needs gas is going, but that must be the Mecca, okay, where all your needs are met. Okay, he's going to Maryville, Merville, and he said, uh, I just need some gas to get me to Maryville. And the guy, I'm, I'm hearing the whole conversation. I was not thinking, come on, gas, fill up. I got to go, you know, but I thought I got to help him. So the guy said, I, th I said, well, I'll let him help it. I don't want to rob him from a blessing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the guy said, no lie. The guy said, no, I'm not going to be able to help you. Just like that. So I got out and I said, what are you trying to do? Just trying to get to Maryville, man. He said, I got to see a doctor. And he'd had a bad place on his hand. His wife was in the car. He looked pretty rough. Had a rough he had been gone through a rough season. I said, okay, don't give him money. 
I went into Waggles and I said, I need $20 on pump 16 or whatever it was. I came out and said, hey, I uh, hope you have a great day today. God loves you. I put $20 in there, and he, and he just went on and on. God bless you. Thank you so much. You know, I got in the car and drove off. Now, I wasn't, well, ain't I cool? You know, ain't I Jesus-y today? Okay, no. My point is this. When you say, when you realize there's something in your life that's a prayer killer, God will send you an opportunity to determine where your heart's at. All right? So let's go to number six. Number six is undisciplined. Boy, this applies because we live in a very busy world. Undisciplined. John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Wow. Abide in me. You know what abide means? Live, dwell, take up, abode. It means Jesus says, If you'll just live in me, if you'll just come on up in here and stay, and then when you get up in here and stay, and you get in this word, I'll begin to let my Holy Spirit speak to your heart, and my word will begin to abide in you. Now we got this thing going on, and the prayer chain is alive and well, and you can ask anything you want. You get it? Your prayer is not murdered. There is not a prayer killer when you are abiding in Jesus, and his word is abiding in you. But how do we do that? We don't do that by picking up our Bible January, the first 14 days of January, and then getting to Exodus and saying, man, I ain't getting nothing out of it. I guess I'll put it on my dresser till next year, till my new resolution. All right? It does not happen on Sunday mornings. I said this a few weeks ago. If, if, if your diet that feeds your soul is a sermon on Sunday morning, your soul is starving to death one week at a time. You need to be in this word. And we have no stinking excuses. We got phones in our pockets. We can, we can listen to it like my voicemail, my voicemail with a British accent. We can listen to it. You can listen. You can let a girl read it. You can let a man read it. You can let a, a Mexican read it. You, can, it. you got all, anything you want. It's, and, you can put, and now you got ear, uh, AirPods. You put them in your ear, and you can't hear anything but that. You can hear it narrated dramatically with music behind it. it. We have no excuses. Or you can sit down and just begin to read. It's a disciplined life. So as a Christian, we should have disciplines in our life. What are Christian disciplines? Reading your Bible. What's another Christian discipline? Praying. What's another Christian discipline? Finding a place to serve in the local church. What's another Christian discipline or obligation? To share your faith. And when we begin to be Disciplined Christians, that prayer killer gets removed. Let's go to the next one. Number seven is a lack of faith. A lack of faith. Sometimes we pray without faith. Now look what it says in James 1. It says, but let him who ask, let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Hebrews eleven six and without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Lack of faith. We're supposed to pray with faith. We're supposed to pray with an expectation. How many of you have ever prayed, walked away from the prayer, and never checked to see if he even answered? One of the problems is, we never, we never look for answered prayer. And if we, stop, if we never look for answered prayers, then our faith isn't developed, and it becomes a prayer killer. How do you know if you pray in faith? Are you ready? 
Here's how you find out if you pray in faith. If you pray expecting, you're praying in faith. What does that even mean? It means God puts something on your heart. You have a need in your family. You have a need in your finances. You need to have a need in your neighborhood. You, there's a sickness or something. You have a need. You pray it and you write it down. And tomorrow, you just check in. Was it answered? No. Well, I'm expecting it. The persistent widow, you pray again. God, I'm needing this. I'm counting on you. Your word says this. And you pray expecting. That's faith. I had a friend of mine who used to say this. Hey, when you're praying, throw one up to the big guy for me. I'm like, that's a silly. Don't say that. That's silliness. I ain't throwing nothing up to a big guy. When I'm praying, I'm praying to God, the God of heaven. All right? And, and, and so we have to learn to pray in faith, expecting Look for answered prayers. Here's why it's so important to journal prayers, to write them down. Because all of a sudden, you realize, wow, he answered that prayer. And you put a highlighter on that thing, and man, you just pray right there. God, I got it. You did it. I knew you would. I was expecting it, and you came through. You know what that means about the rest of that list? <laughs> I'm looking for answers. I'm expecting. I'm excited about what God might do in these other areas of my prayer life. We've got to pray expecting God to do great things. All right, the next one. The next one is pridefulness. Pridefulness is a prayer killer. Look what the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 6. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Let's pause right there. Let's go back in just a second. He may exalt you. When we pray, we're looking for God to do something in our life. We're looking for God to elevate us on his agenda. We're asking God to move us up to the top of the list so he can answer our prayers. He's going to exalt us. It says when we humble ourselves under his mighty hand, when we place ourselves obediently, submissively under him as the Lord of our life, our prayers begin to be answered and he exalts us. Now, the next one says, Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. God hates pride. And so we've got to get to a place where we're humble before God. Sometimes the reason that we struggle is because we forget who God is and we're confused about who we are. God is, sometimes, sometimes we think God is, man, he's, he's better than us, but he's you know, look that much. No, he's God. He is the true and living creator, sustainer of the world, the eternal, everlasting one. That's who he is, and we are his creation. And so we pray with that mindset. Proverbs 16, 19 says, It's better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the, with the proud. And so we need to do away with pridefulness. The next one is a good one, hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Look what the Bible says about hypocrisy as a prayer killer. Matthew 6, 5 says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. So obviously, prayer and hypocrisy go hand in hand. It says, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Hypocrisy. Now listen, often this is what we do. We pray and then we live a life different than how we're praying. I mean, we pray, man, we're praying in the King James. You know, we, 
Easy now. We're going back. We're going back old school, right? We pray, thou, oh, Godest, thouest, lovest, meest, the mostest. All right? I mean, we go old school, right? And we pray, and then we live like hell. And it just not, does not line up. Or we expect of other people something that we don't even do ourselves. That's hypocrisy. And so when we pray, we've got to be sure of why we're praying and that our life is in alignment with our prayer life. Number 10, premature surrender. Premature surrender. It means waving the flag a little early. It means throwing in the towel a little bit before we should. It says, pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians. Pray without ceasing. Don't quit. Keep praying. He says, give thanks in all circumstances. I don't really like that line, but that's what it says. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Premature surrender. Luke 18 says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always, ought always to pray and not lose heart. A prayer killer is when we just quit. We're, we're no longer persistent like the widow who was looking for justice from the judge. Instead of pressing in, never giving up, never giving in, just going deeper, just crying out to God instead of quitting. Have you ever quit on your prayer life? Say, I have. That's for everybody. Often we walk away prematurely. God's getting ready to, to offer a breakthrough. God's getting ready to answer a prayer, and we simply walk away. And, and, and sometimes it's because we get discouraged. We may get discouraged because we haven't seen the answer to the prayer yet. We may be discouraged because we're just simply preoccupied, got other stuff we need to do, and we don't pray anymore. We may get discouraged because the enemy discourages us. Sometimes the enemy wraps himself in flesh. It might look like our spouse. It might look like our parents. It might look like a person at work. It might look like somebody at church who just says things to discourage us. Well, maybe you're not praying in the will of God. Well, if you've sought counsel from the word of God and you know it's in the will of God, you ignore that person and you keep praying because God is in the ready mode to answer. Number, uh, let's see, Romans 3, 4. Here you go, Romans 3, 4. It says this, it says, By no means let God be true, true, though everyone were a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you're judged. That first line in some translation says, Let God be true and every man a liar. Do, stop listening to the world, the flesh, and the devil. You listen to what God says about your life and his will. You pray according to his will and his way and his word. And you wait for God to answer. And do not quit. You hang in there. Hang in there like you do everything else. If a person plays football, they go to practice every day of the season. They go to two-a-days in the summer. It's 100 degrees and they're out there trying to kill each other. All right? And they go every day. If a person, a girl plays volleyball, she goes to practice, she, 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 she's disciplined, she stays in there, she keeps going, why? Because they're pursuing an end result. And that's what we do when we pray. We're praying toward an end. We're praying for an end result. Number 11, unforgiving spirit. Now this is a hard one, but it's in there, so we're going to look at it. An unforgiving spirit is a prayer killer. Have you ever noticed? 
Have you ever known somebody that said, well, you know, I'll tell you why I'm offended with them. I could get the list. I keep a list in my pocketbook. I keep a list in my wallet. I, I, I got it all in my mind. How many you want? I can give you a dozen. I can give you a hundred. Okay? Let me tell you something about that person. They're not praying to God and God hearing and responding to their prayers. In fact, they're not even forgiven of their sins because they can't forgive others. Now, this is heavy stuff. Now, listen. Here's what he says. Mark eleven twenty five. 25. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. Okay? First off, if you have anything, there again, you look up anything in the Greek, you know what it means? Anything. He goes on, he says, against anyone. You look up anyone in the Greek, you know what it means? Anyone. If you have anything against anyone, now that's heavy, anything. Everybody say, anything against anyone. Everybody say, anything against anyone. Look what happens. If you, for, if you have anything against anyone so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses, if you forgive, then he forgives. If you're not forgiving, he's not forgiving. Now watch this, next verse, Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive, if you forgive, if you forgive. Little bitty word, two letters right there with a profound impact. If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. He'll forgive because we forgive. Now I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't even like that verse. This is when I would rather be a buffet Bible reader, meaning I get to pick and choose. I don't want the Brussels sprout scripture, okay? I want the fried chicken scripture. Okay, fried, fried chicken scripture is John three sixteen, Forgiving other people, anything, every, uh, anyone, anything, that's Brussels sprouts. All right. That's not palatable to me. I don't like that. I kind of like hanging on to a grudge. I kind of like, you know, being a little mad for a little while. But the Bible says when we are unforgiving, he can't forgive us. That's hard stuff. Now, uh, now, does that mean, what does it mean to forgive? This is really important. What does it mean to forgive? It doesn't mean to forget. Let me just go ahead and tell you. Forgiving does not mean forgetting. There's people say, well, you need to forgive and forget. Well, you're an idiot. What are you going to do? Take something that gives you amnesia about the bad stuff? You're not, forgive, you're not forgetting. Forgiving is not forgetting. God does not forget our sins. Now listen to me. The Bible says he cast them as far as the east is from the west. That's a long way. The Bible says that he, uh, that he washes us clean in the blood of Jesus and makes us whiter than snow. But he does not forget because he cannot forget because he's God and he's omniscient, meaning he's all-knowing. To forget means he's all-knowing except the stuff he forgot. All right? God doesn't forget. Let me tell you what he does. He chooses not to remember. He chooses not to remember. What that means is, is when we go before God and we have a, a repentant heart, means we've, repentance means we've changed our mind and our mind aligns with the mind of God. And so we change our mind, we repent, and we, we, we ask God to be gracious and to forgive our sin. He forgives our sin through what Jesus did on a cross. And then moving forward, if we truly had a repentant heart... He chooses not to remember those sins that have been buried in the blood. Okay? Now, that's really sweet to know that. All right? So in our world, when we have somebody who offends us and they say they give us some flippant, yeah, I'm sorry. 
Okay, you can forgive that. In fact, when somebody offends you, just go ahead and forgive them whether they ask or not. <clears throat> have you ever had this one? Well, no, I hadn't forgiven them. They didn't ask for forgiveness. You ever, have you ever said that? Oh, quiet. Nobody's ever said that. It's good. But you know somebody who has. Okay. You, you don't wait for them to ask <clears throat> because if we don't forgive because they didn't ask, <clears throat> excuse me, we still haven't for, forgiven. <clears throat> and if we haven't forgiven, <clears throat> he can't forgive us. Excuse me. <clears throat> now, it doesn't mean to forget, okay? What it means is to move forward beyond and despite of the hurt. We forgive, we look up, and we say, God, you can forgive me, I'm going to forgive them. You're choosing not to remember, I'm going to choose not to remember. Doesn't mean it's not going to come up. Now, also, what about this? <clears throat> Does it mean there's no consequences? Mean there's no consequences to our sin? Doesn't mean that at all. I want you to know something. Just because something or someone is forgiven does not mean there's no consequences. Example, if I go out here today and I go down here at the same Waggles, and that guy's down there, and there's some other guys down there, and we get in a tango, next thing you know, I've got him on the ground, I put the choker on him, and he's dead. I'm, here's pastor, just left Sturkey Hills, finished 21 days fasting. Now I just killed a guy at the Waggles parking lot. Okay, it's not going to be good for the church. And it's not going to be good for me. Now, I can go to the, before God, I can go before the judge, I can go before this man's family, I can come before the church, I can say, I'm so sorry. I just lost my temper and next thing you know, I killed a guy, I'm so sorry. Okay, you could forgive me, the judge could forgive me, the family could forgive me, God will forgive me. But I would still go to jail for murder. Why? Because there's still consequences even when there's forgiveness. David prayed for forgiveness after he was in an adulterous relationship with Bathsheba. And God forgave him. But his kingdom and his family was changed forever. The, the, the trajectory of his impact changed forever. And the baby that was birthed out of this, this sinful relationship, the baby died. He was forgiven, but there were still consequences. Number 12, sometimes the prayer killers, our prayers are just too small. Just small. Look what it says about God and our prayers. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who's able to do far more. Everybody say far more. Abundantly. Everybody say Abundantly. Then all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Sometimes when we pray, we pray to a God that we think is just a little bit bigger than we are. And, and this, this one hurt me. This one like punched me right in the intestines. All right? I realize that when I pray, typically I pray just beyond what I can't do for myself. In other words, if, I, if I'm trying to accomplish something and, and it's just out of reach and I'm giving it all I've got, I'll pray for God to take care of that little gap on top of what I can't do myself. That's a sin. When I pray to God, the Bible says he is, he is abundantly more than anything I can put words to, 
anything I can fathom or think in my mind. And so when I pray, I shouldn't pray for the little skim of icing on the top. I should pray way out there, big, bold prayers. I'm going to start practicing that. I'm not a prosperity preacher that, you know, if you give the church $10 this week, you'll get 100 in the mail. Okay? You might, but I don't preach that as a fact. I believe God prospers us. He's a prosperous God, and he blesses his people. I believe giving is something that, that moves God into blessing us in that area. But, but I truly believe that often the reason our prayers aren't answered is because our prayers aren't big enough to reveal the glory of God. Our prayers, all they do is kind of reveal the glory of our ability to pray for this little icing on the top. And so I want to challenge you and encourage you to pray bigger, to set the bar higher for God. Because he's abundantly more than anything we can ask or imagine. Number 13 is this. You ready? A failure to pray. Did you know the only unanswered prayers are unprayed prayers? We just simply fail to pray. Look what the scripture says in James 4.2. You desire and you do not have. So you murder, you covet, and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. Ready? You do not have because you do not ask. Wow. Now watch this. Guilt. I'm guilty as charged. I venture to say most of us are. Often what we do is we say, yeah, I need to pray about that. Hey, you want to do this? Well, I don't know. I'm going to have to pray about it. Okay. You know what? This is a burden right here. We need to pray about this. You know what? I'm going to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to pray to God about it. I want God to answer. I'm going to pray. We're going to pray. I'm talking about pray, And we never pray. We talk a good game about what we're going to do, and we never do it. Now, have you ever done that? Talked about praying and never prayed? If you have, say guilty. guilty. Me too. Wow. We need to stop talking about praying and start praying. I've had situations here at the church. One, in it, one example is a good example. I had a man come to me one day, and he said, you the pastor? I said, might be. And if you're talking about the guy, you're looking for the guy that murdered somebody at the Waggles, that ain't me. Okay. <laughs> He said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a developer, and I've got some property over here, and I've, my, my accountant said I've got, to, uh, I've got to give some of it away. And I said, okay. And he said, I'll do all the legal work, and, um, and, uh, and I'll, I'll give it to you for free. It's worth about $150,000. And uh, he said, are you interested? No lie in my heart. I said, Lord, you want me to do this? I said, let me pray about it. Yes, we'll take it. <laughs> okay. I didn't say, I don't know, let me pray about it. You know, I, I prayed right there, okay? Why, why, why wait till tomorrow? Let's pray. And while he's talking, I'd already heard everything. And he was wanting to give something away. It's worth $150,000. I'm praying, Lord, we taking this? Yes, yes, we'll take it, okay? <laughs> we need to stop talking about praying and start praying. Number 14. Now, this is an ugly one. I like this most days. Some days, this is Brussels sprouts. You ready? Mistreating your wife is a prayer killer. Now, hold on. Go back. Take that off. They're already reading that. I don't want them to see what's going to say. They don't, they don't even believe it's in there. Men, mistreating your wife is a prayer killer. Okay? Now, watch what it says. Here it is. 1 Peter 3, 7, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. So far, we passed the test some days. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Now, right here, women, there's some women who, who, who hate the idea that you're a weaker vessel, not lesser vessel, not unequal vessel, but a weaker vessel. You can take that up with God. That's what he said about you. 
and men are supposed to view you that way. It's just it's what Scripture says, it's the way God wrote, the, the way God um, designed it. All right? It says, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. So <clears throat> I won't marry, well, let me finish up right here. Uh, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So men, it says you're supposed to live with them in an understanding way. You're supposed to honor them as a weaker vessel so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now here's a good one. You've heard the scripture that says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You're familiar with that? So what you do, husbands and wives, you do it. I've never done this, but I know this is what you have heard stories. That you and your wife, you have a discussion. You know what a discussion is. You know, a discussion, if you were typing it, it would be bold, capital letters on a text message with some exclamation points on there and some emojis with some teeth coming out. You know what I'm saying? And so you have one of those teethy, bold, capital letter discussions. Has anybody ever had one of those or is it just me? Just me and Dan. Thank you, Dan. We're going to heaven for not lying. <laughs> so what happens, then you get ready for bed and you're still just a little... And one of you, well, we probably need to pray because we're not supposed to let the sun go down on our wrath. So we, say, we throw up a little prayer. I said, throw up a little prayer to the big guy upstairs. That's what we're doing right there. It's nothingness, all right? Because we're so sideways with each other, our prayers are hindered. And so, men, that's a challenge, you know? That's a challenge for us, and we need to get that right. It's a prayer killer. And number 15, failure to connect. Now watch this. Hey, go back right there. Go ahead. Take the back up there. Okay. Failure to connect. All right. So right now I could take my phone out and uh, I could call 712-8521 and my wife would answer the phone. You wouldn't answer. My daughters wouldn't answer. My wife would answer the phone. Maybe. Sometimes the problem in our prayers is we never connect. We're calling the wrong person. We're not, our protocol is all wrong. Our prayers aren't even getting to God because we don't understand what prayer is supposed to look like. And so let's clean up our protocol and let's make our connection the right connection with the right God and experience the power of God because we get it right. Now watch this. Failure to connect. In Matthew 6, 5 through 15, Jesus said, I want you to pray like this. Does it mean all of our prayers, no matter, I got a financial need, our Father who art in heaven? No, that's not what he's talking about. This is a template, a model. This is an outline of prayer. And sometimes there's things in that prayer that seem subtle, but there's powerfully significant. And it comes right at the beginning. Jesus said, pray like this. First things, the significance of first, first things. He says, our Father who art in heaven. If you ever watch uh, awards shows, maybe for athletes or for people in Hollywood, a lot of them get up there, I'd like to thank my mama, and I'd like to thank God. All right? Well, who's God? There's, a, there's a millions of gods. Okay? Who, who, what God are you talking about? And when we pray sometimes, we just launch into a prayer. God, I just don't know. Well, who are you talking to? You could be talking to Allah. You could be talking to Buddha. You could be talking to, to Sun Yun Moon. You could be talking, who, who's your God? Okay? You, Beelzebub, Baal, who, who's your God? Jesus said, when you pray, you make a connection by dialing the right number. You say, Our Father who is in heaven. 
all of a sudden now, you just cut through all of the noise of the darkness of the spiritual realm, which you cannot see. You just cut through it. You said, I'm not talking to any of this business. I'm going to my God, who is my Father, who is located in heaven, and he's expecting me, so get out of my way. I'm coming through. So you connect to the right God by calling him by name. And, and I wanted to include, I just didn't have time, names of God in the Hebrew, which apply to different prayers and different parts of our life. Learn the names of God in, his, in the Hebrew language and begin to call out on God, that, na- that part of his nature. All right, so you make the right connection. You dial the right number. You get in connection with the right God. Then he says, in John 15, 16, he says, if you ask anything, in my name. Did you know that's why at the end we say, in Jesus' name we pray? Because Jesus said, pray in his name. Jesus is our intercessor. Jesus is the only way we have access to God. Jesus is the one who takes the silliness of our prayers and orchestrates them to be delivered to the throne of the Father. Why? Because in Philippians 2 9, we, we learn that the name of Jesus is the name above all names. It is the name by which we all must be saved. There is no other name. So what happens when we pray to our Father who is in heaven and we invoke the name of Jesus, all of the demons of the spiritual realm, they run from that name. When we cry out, I'm praying to the God of heaven, to Yahweh, the true and living God. I'm praying in the power of the name of Jesus Christ, the living Son of God who died on a cross to give me access to God, my Father in heaven. When we pray in those parameters, when our protocol of access is right, all of a sudden, Our prayers will not be hindered by the enemy. Our prayers make it to the right place. We've addressed it, stamped it, and sent it to the right place. The mail has been delivered, and when it's delivered, God begins to answer. So listen, all of these, 15 of them, I was thinking about it. I thought fasting was hard. Fasting is a piece of cake compared to making sure Everything is right in our prayer life to experience a breakthrough prayer life and a breakthrough in 2021. I want you to bow your heads as we pray. I never realized how clear Scripture is about prayer killers. I never really saw it. It's changed the way I pray. It's changed the way I'm going to continue to pray. It's changed the mood and the mode of my heart to where I want to experience more vibrancy, more life in prayer. Maybe this morning, You haven't experienced a breakthrough because you've never voiced the greatest emotion a heart will ever have and the greatest prayer a voice will ever say. And it is this, God in heaven, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. I don't know why in this moment you've revealed to me that I need to be born again 
a spiritual birth that I need to be saved on this day so here I am I give all of my brokenness to the rightness of Jesus in exchange forgive my sin I repent of all of my wrongdoings I want to leave this moment changed not in my power but in the power of what Jesus does and when the Holy Spirit comes in to empower me I want to be different for all of eternity thank you for inviting me into your family thank you for saving me and for some of us today the prayer of our heart could just simply be wow God when I run my life my prayer life through the litmus of those 15 prayer killers it just dawned on me I have work to do in my life so help me please so I can experience a breakthrough prayer life moving forward father we thank you for the day you've given us and we thank you for the opportunity to come together we thank you for challenging our hearts and challenging our souls and encouraging and igniting our minds but God if we leave and never apply anything we become that stubborn person where our prayers are hindered so God help us be more today for you than we were yesterday we pray it in Jesus name amen we hope that God spoke to you through this message If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.